Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Kingdom Living Ministry here in Perth Amboy. Uh, Pastor Dwayne and his lovely wife, Minister Courtney, send their greetings along with the other ministers here at Kingdom Living Ministry. I'm Minister Jackie, one of the co-founders of the ministry, and I say thank you for tuning in to us. Today, I'll be talking from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21, on the fullness of God. But before we go there, let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord for this opportunity to, to preach your word to your people. Father, I thank you that you've already dealt and is dealing with our hearts for this word. God, that it will take root in our lives and produce fruit, Father. I thank you, Lord, that this word will not return unto you void, but accomplish that which you sent it out to do. God, I thank you, Lord, that this word will change lives today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. So if you'll go with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner men, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you may be rooted and grounded in love and may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh within us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen to the reading of God's word. When I began to study this scripture, the first thing that captured my attention is in Paul's prayers. This is Paul praying for the Gentile believers, and he's in prison at this time. And he began to say, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I asked myself, what caused Paul to bow his knees? Because in Paul's days, the Jews usually prayed standing. You know, they did pray kneeling also, but the standing was the most popular position for them to pray. And usually when they knelt their knees, it was with urgency. So here's Paul, he's in prison, and he's praying for the believers. And he says, I, for this cause, 
I bowed my knee. So I began to do a study to see what that cause was, what was the reason that Paul was bowing his knees. And so I read the previous chapter. And in chapter one, I'm just going to highlight some of the things that was going on up until this point. And the very act of Paul bending his knees or uh, bowing his knees to the Father showed his humility, his dependency on God. It showed an act of worship, and it showed his reverence for God. And so to really understand the context in which it was written, I read the previous chapters, and I'm going to give you some highlights from those chapters of, of leading up to this prayer. In the first chapter of Ephesians, Paul is talking about how we're blessed with, have, with spiritual blessings in heavenly places, how we're chosen before the foundation of the world, how we're accepted in the beloved, and how we are forgiven of sins. And then in the second chapter, he begins to talk about how it's by God's grace in which we are saved. And if you'll go with me to the second chapter of Ephesians, verse 4 through 6, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is also a very powerful passage of scripture because you can hear the unity in it. When Paul uh, sent these letters out, he says, it's by God who is rich in mercy and his great love wherewith he loved us, not just me, but he loved us. And he goes on and he says that even when we were dead in our sins, that we were quickened up together. The word together is in there over and over. He has quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you are saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So can you see the unity that Paul is preaching in the second chapter? And, and it's all done in Christ. Every time he says he's quickened us up together with Christ, he's made us, he's raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So it's all in Christ that he is praying this for the believer. In other words, you can narrow it down, that passage of scripture to saying, we've, we've been made alive we've, and resurrected, and now we are enthroned with Christ. Let's say that again. We are alive, resurrected, and enthroned with Christ. And it's all because of God's mercy and his great love wherewith he loved us. Amen. And that's something to thank God for. I know we're coming up on Thanksgiving, and this is not your typical 
Thanksgiving message, but I guarantee you that there's something in here that you will be able to be thankful for. Amen? Amen. Chapter 2 also talks about how we are his workmanship. And we're no longer aliens or strangers, but we are fellow citizens with the saints. And he talks about how we're fitly framed together in, to grow into a holy temple for the Lord. And then I want to hone in on verse 2.22, chapter 2, verse 22. It reads, in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God. Through the Spirit. Let me read that again. In whom you are, you also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And I believe this is the cause. This is the reason that Paul is bound his knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he recognized and understand and his, and is aware of all that God is doing in the believers. Now, and the reason I believe that's why he's bound his knees because he started praying in the first chapter of Ephesians uh, three. The first verse in, ch in chapter 3, Paul starts out and he says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoners of, Je of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Have you ever started praying and then your mind kind of drift away a little bit or, or you know, and, and then you have to refocus? I believe Paul started praying in the first verse for this cause and then he drifted off, said, whoa, wait a minute. Let me remind these Gentile believers of something before I continue to pray for them. Because at the end of, of the second chapter, it's for a habitation of God through the Spirit. That's why Paul was praying for this cause. And he began to, from verse 2 to verse 13, he began to... Uh, remind them of some things. And he goes on and he says in, in verse, in the first prayer in chapter one, verse 15, Paul prayed that for enlightenment. But in chapter three, he's praying for enablement. In chapter one, he also prayed, I want you to know your power. Here he's praying, I want you to use your power. Paul recognized the power and all that God was doing in the believer. And we're at this walking powerhouse here on earth with all of this power, with the spirit of God that he's blessed us with. But what are we doing with it? God has given us his spirit, his Holy Spirit. He's equipped us in the word. He has, um, also given us his authority to walk and live on this earth in a victorious way. But so many times, so many of us feel defeated and useless and hopeless, but we're not because we have 
Christ on the inside of us. My Bible tells me in 1 John 4 and 4 that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. That's something to shout about, something to be thankful for this Thanksgiving. Now, Paul also in chapter 2, he was talking about this dispensation of grace of God that was given him in order for him to teach it to the Gentiles. And so I pick up, so he goes and he reminds the, uh, the believers of a few things. He reminds them that uh, the Gentiles are fellow heirs with us and how that he himself is less than the least of all the saints to be privileged to this grace of God. And then he picks the, the prayer back up in 3.14. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And I like the way Paul brought the brings the family into it. If you think about it, it's usually your mother and your father who gives you your name. You get your identity from them, uh, your DNA come from them, and people associate you with who your parents uh, are, believe it or not. I, rem I remember so clearly when I was a young girl living back in Arkansas, and I was walking somewhere, and there was a couple elderly ladies on the porch. Now, back then, you spoke to everybody out of respect, whether you knew them or not. And I remember speaking to them, and they spoke back, and then they asked me a question. Baby, what's your name? And I told them. Then they went, who's your mama? And I told them, yeah, that's Levita's daughter. So people associate you with your parents, who you are, where did you come from? But thank God I'm a born-again Christian, so I am a child of God. I have new DNA, and it's all because of Christ and the finished work on the cross. And we are brought into the family of God. Amen? Let's go on. So if you are a believer, you've been named as a child of God. And it doesn't matter if you're alive here on earth or you going gone on to be with the Lord in heaven. The Bible says that of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You, if you're named a child of God, you are a believer if you're named and you're named a child of God. And he, excuse me, he goes on and Paul goes on and pray that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. If you know any, notice anything about Paul, he was always praying for the believers. And here, here he's praying, praying that they would be strengthened with might. Now, this word might means power or dunamis in the Greek or miracle working power. So he's praying that God will strengthen us with miraculous power 
by his spirit in the inner man. Everything is done by the spirit of God. Amen. And it goes on in order that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. If you realize uh, the scripture ahead of time, it, it tells you that God begins to do a work in our spirit even before we ask Christ to come and dwell in our hearts by faith. And what's interesting about this is that dwell means to take up permanent residence. He didn't come to visit. When you accept Christ in your heart, he is not just for a short period of time. He wants to come and live within us. There's a young artist that has a song out, and she's talking about you're the visitor that never has to go home. Like you, you get visitors in your house, and you know they're going to leave at a certain uh, time. But her song says, you're the visit visitor that never has to leave. And every time I hear that song, I know where she's coming from, but every time I hear it, the word of God raises up in my spirit and says, but God said he never would leave me nor forsake me. So why do I have to tell him you can stay? I welcome him in and he's here to stay. He's here to dwell in the believer. And so God begins this work on our inner man even before we ask Christ to come and dwell in our hearts. And then the next step in verse 17, it says, you've been rooted and grounded in love. Now, when you think of rooted, you think of plant-based, something that's been planted and grounded. You think of um, a foundation. So rooted speaks of stability. And the deeper the roots are, the more stable you become. And grounded speaks of foundation. Now, we are to be rooted and grounded in love. Or we can say rooted and grounded in God because we know that God is love. And so, and it goes on. So you, in verse 18, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breath and length, and depth, and height. God wants us to grasp, to really understand his love, and to understand his love with the fellow believers. You know, we're not living a walk in this walk alone. We're here on earth with our sisters and our brothers, and we are to uh, come together in unity in the love of God. And it also shows how deep and how broad God's love is for us. And the love of God is our firm foundation. That's number key, num number one. The love of God is our firm foundation. And that's where our roots should be uh, uh, dug into God, into God's love, deep into God's love. So, and to verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. 
it's, you see, it's the love of Christ that passes knowledge. God's love go far beyond our mindset, our finite mind, because he knows everything. And, and it goes on, as we express that love, as we become stable and rooted and grounded in God's love and begin to understand the love of Christ, it's only then that we can be filled with the fullness of God. In verse 19, it says that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, filled means to be complete, to fulfill, and to be full. Fullness means lacking nothing. So you can say we are to be complete in God. We are to be fulfilled in God. We are to be full of God. Can you get a glimpse of what our lives should look like from the scripture? It should be all about him. And that's our goal is to look and to be more like Jesus day by day by day. And it's only through the spirit of God that we can accomplish that walk in Christ. Amen. The fullness of God can only be found in Jesus and his finished work on the cross. Amen. And then in verse 20, he goes on to say, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh within us. Now, the scripture says God is able to do what we ask him. Why? Because God is not dead. He's very much alive. God is not inactive. He's not idle. He's here. He's able to do what we ask because he hears our prayers and he longs to fulfill them. He's able to do what we ask or think, you know, and that's because he can read our thoughts. And this reminds me of back in November of last year. Excuse me. Back in November of last year, I, uh, I had gone to the doctor because I had, was having some uh, problems with one of my breasts. And so when she examined me, she begins to, to freak out and say, oh, you got malignant, blah, blah, blah. You got malignant, blah, blah, blah. And after saying it two or three times, she looked at me and said, oh, am I, am I scaring you? And I kid you not, I said, no, I'm trusting God. And which I was, and God gave me supernatural peace through that process. And so I went to the doctor, and they did they uh, did the biopsy. And I had asked God to let it come back negative, and He did. And without me even asking Him to do anything else, I was satisfied that the the biopsy came back negative. And so I asked my doctor, I said, do I have, should I still go to the breast surgeon since the biopsy was negative? 
And he said, yes, go ahead, just to be sure. So I go to her, and she uh, decided to go in and get the mask out. And the doctor that did the biopsy had put a clip uh, there, a locator is called. So when the specialist with when in, she wouldn't have to dig around. She would be able to locate the mass right away. Well, post visit, visit after that procedure, and I go to the office to see her, and she tells me, she said, I went in, and I looked all around, and I couldn't find the mass. It was gone. So I just looked all around and cleaned out everything, and, sti and stitched it up. Now, that at that point in my life, the scripture where it says that he's able to do more exceedingly abundantly, more than we ask or think, became a reality in my life that day because he went beyond that I, that I could even imagine or think, and he took that mask away. The, the surgeon could not find it. The locator was put in. I guess it went with it too because she could not find the mask anywhere. And I thank God for good doctors and wisdom from them because I have no mark from where the biopsy was done. You cannot see where the surgeon cut me to remove the mask. There, it, it's still my breast is still intact, like nothing happened. And I thank God for that. I'm very thankful for that. And I have a fu another funny story along with that. So I was going to have it done in November or December. And my daughter didn't want me to have it then because she thought I would not be up to par for her wedding in January. So I changed the date and I told her. And then she said, but I'm gonna be on my honeymoon. Who's gonna take care of you then? Mom, can you can you get Dwayne or Courtney to come over and stay with you? And I thought, girl, you're not gonna worry me. And and I went back and called the doctor and got my old original date, was still open, so I had the surgery done before she got married. And when she got married, I was okay. And she saw that, yeah, mom, you told you said you were gonna be okay. But she was concerned, and, and thank you for being concerned for me, daughter. She's here today with her husband. They're my drivers. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for being here with me. So we're talking about the fullness of God. So we are to be full of God. And this is to be more like Jesus every day, and it's done through the Spirit of God. It can only be found in Jesus. The fullness of God is in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, in verse 21, it says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And this is our ultimate goal is to give God glory in our lives. Not just on Sundays, but every day. We, our lives should be so full of God that he gets glory in everything we do and say. Because if your life is full of God, 
when the enemy comes and tell you this, you can hit him with the word because you have the greater one living on inside of you. You have the word of God and you have the Holy Spirit within you that enables us to walk in the fullness of God. And this is what I wanted to share with you today. And can you imagine people looking at you uh, uh, well, you should be aware that your lifestyle is a witness, whether it's a witness for God or for the devil. You're going to either live for God and be full of him, or you're going to live for the devil and be full of him. And my prayer for you today is that you will be full of the fullness of God. Let him come and fulfill your life. Let him come and fill your life. Let him come and just be full of himself in you. Amen. Amen. God, thank you for this word. God, I know it was short, but God, I still give you glory. God, because there's so much in this passage of scripture that you desire for us to learn and to walk in. And God, our hearts is to do that, is to walk in your word, to be full of the fullness of God. And I pray that every listener listening to this message will, will begin to tap in to their power that's with in them, the power that work it within them to come to that place where we're full of God and not the devil. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.